0: Are you a business owner looking to grow and scale your company? Do you want to prepare your company to successfully take on investment? Start by taking the Become Investable Digital Scorecard Assessment. In less than six minutes, you will have information identifying weaknesses in your business model and receive advice on how to address them. Developed using the signature BI methodology, the scorecard assesses your business based on six key investability metrics and provides a comprehensive report to show you how to build a more investable business. Go to becomeinvestable.com slash scorecard today to start your journey to investability.
1: Podcast World Cabin Studios, this is Caribbean Power Lunch with your host, Kevin Valley. In this episode, we want to talk about business continuity, succession planning, and exit planning. Here, we're gonna talk to Rochelle Clark. Hailing from Guyana, Rochelle Clark is a business consultant that keeps businesses in business with business continuity planning, transition preparation. Now, through her company, she ensures that retiring leaders, the incoming successors, and the businesses that support them are ready to move successfully to the next stage of their business, their life cycle, whether it be by succession or sale of their business. Now, hailing from Guyana, Rochelle Clark is a published author. She, she authored the book, The Five Critical Succession Conversations. She's been featured on Forbes, New York Times, CEO Magazine, and that's just the name of few. She's a Wharton graduate with an MBA in strategic planning, currently living in one of my favorite cities of Amsterdam. And she says that 85% of failed business transitions occur because of poor communication. So without further ado, let's get it on to Rochelle. Rochelle
0: Pluck. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Kevin.
1: All right, Rochelle. So, you know, it's you, it's stated that 85% of failed business transitions where you try to take your business from one generation to the next occur, occur <laughs> because of... <laughs> poor communication mistrust and a lack of planning so i know you have this you have this genesis story that you're probably a little tired of, of telling and we, we spoke about it a little bit before it's like okay all right i right, gonna have to tell the story but you know yes it's important you know you would have spent 15 years in well not only corporate america just global corporate global you know working with come with Companies like Accenture, Heineken on global strategy and whatnot, but then you had to rescue your own family business using some of those principles. Can you just walk us through that, what that looked like?
0: Absolutely, Kevin. And I actually don't mind telling the story because, you know, there's the fact that there are many people who are listening for the first time. And I think that this may be enlightening to them. I trust that it is. So um, a a number of years ago, I found myself flying home from a family funeral, frantically putting in place a business continuity plan for the business. What happened was that the owner passed away suddenly, as, as these deaths typically happen. His daughter was preparing to take over the business, but she wasn't ready yet to take it over um, when when he passed. So we were in a really tricky situation of planning for a funeral at the same time that we were planning and figuring out what to do with this business, how to keep this business in operation, because so many people relied on it. So that is actually where I came into the picture and I was able to put a lot of the business continuity um, aspects and, and and capabilities that I would have learned in the corporate world, I was able to very quickly apply that to my own family situation. Obviously, in the corporate world, you're talking big, big multinational corporations, but it was how do we boil that down to something that's really relevant for a smaller business? So this is where it started. And, um, you know, I was still doing my job, enjoying it in in, in corporate life. And I was saying, you know what? businesses, smaller businesses, family owned businesses are so vulnerable, but someone should be out there helping them. And it was one of those moments where you said, yeah, I'm sure somebody else is taking care of it. Someone else is taking care of them. They don't need me to, to step into the ring. But the idea really stuck with me and stayed with me. Um, until I eventually ended up starting my own firm focusing on two things. First of all, it's business transitions. So helping retiring owners, their incoming successors and the organizations that rely on them
1: mm-hmm. to
0: transfer the business from one generation of leadership to the next right, successfully and smoothly. And this is where communication comes in, but I have a feeling that we're going to talk about that later. Um, and the second component is I said, you know what, There's, I'm never going to set up a business, particularly working with smaller businesses, that does not have a focus on business continuity planning. Because that truly is focusing on ensuring that the business can continue in the event of something unplanned happening, an unplanned disruption. And um there are, they tend to call these the five D's, right? Um, right.
1: I was trying <laughs> to find the five D's, you know, when I was trying, <laughs> like, what the death? Anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> the five D's. And um, The five D's are the five major disruptions that one in every two businesses will face during its lifetime. There are five major disruptions that one in every two businesses will face during the business's life
1: cycle. One in every two, that, that's 50%. One
0: in every two 50 oh, okay. right those d's or those disruptions are death unexpected death i think that's mm-hmm. a no-brainer disability divorce mm-hmm. disagreements well
1: oh, that's a big one
0: and distress and some of the listeners might be saying, okay, well, now we're going through this COVID-19 pandemic, where does that fall? That falls under a distress situation because you have lots of businesses that are in distress based on the regulations that have come in that have shut them down. So one in every five will one in every two will face one of those five. And I think based on the events of this pandemic, many have already hit that mark. Right. Right? From a distress okay. situation.
1: No, that's no, that's super interesting because you mentioned death, disability, divorce disagreements and distress right and you say distress is something like COVID that's you know yes. pandemic that's outside of your control and yes. we speak about death disability divorce no well maybe that's the, all right. so maybe death and disability those are both things that I mean yeah you could control you could prolong you know health and all of that but that's although that's something that's close is closer to the inevitable side divorce well well that, I mean, there's divorce and disagreement I suppose that's those are two things you you can't control, right? Because that's all about your relationship, all about your your your, um, your communication and stuff. I mean, I really wanted to uh, understand. So yes, you spent all this time working with working with some um, large corporates like Accenture, where you're consulting a bunch of um, la- large companies and so. And your are strat- your global strategy manager for Heineken. So what common I want to say mistakes or common issues or common challenges you see in those businesses with a family business like the one you had to you have to save at the start of your business?
0: Well, and I think it comes down to, to, the, to the major premises that I founded my own business on. First all right. of all, continuity. It's planning for the unplanned. Because here is the thing, Kevin. Many companies and many business owners know what goes into building their business, right? It takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears right? Um, When one of these disruptions hits, that is essentially taking money that would have otherwise gone into the growth and development of the business. You're taking that allocation of money away from the growth of the business, and you're then applying it to respond to whatever it is that you're facing, right? So many corporations, major corporations, ensure that they minimize the number of disruptions on the core business, Because by minimizing the disruptions on the core business, they're then able to allocate that energy, allocate the resources into growing the business. Right. Right. So it's a change in mindset where, yes, there's the focus on growth, but the, 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 I would say the secret, the other secret that many smaller businesses don't hear about is the fact that it's not only about growing the business, but it's protecting that growth. Yes. Right. That's key. So so that that is one of the first things. And, and the other thing that I would like to talk about, the other focus you said, um, as I compared corporate life to a smaller business, is their focus on the future, the long term thinking. And some businesses, some firms do this better than others. And this in planning for the future, you're talking about your succession and your long term planning. Right. Right? So what is the plan for the business in many corporations? They already know that they have a long term trajectory, right? They have long term goals that they're trying to achieve. And as a result of that, they're planning under ways of operation, ensure that they're able to meet those goals. And they do that by ensuring that they have the right people in place, not only immediately, but for the foreseeable future. And this is where a lot of smaller businesses now. Granted, they're facing different um, challenges as they grow because many small business owners are focused on the day to day. But if it is that they do have long term, a long term goal in mind for this business, it would help them to give some thought to how they'll achieve that long term potential, the long term growth of the business. It's yes, protecting the growth, but also. Recognizing that the humanity in all of the people who work there, and saying, "Okay, for the future, what are my succession plans going to be? What what is my plan for this business, and how do I get there?"
1: Yeah, just um last year, I was on a I was on a panel for um, sports industry Trinidad Tobago, um they had this business conference, and they asked me to be on a panel, and the title of the panel was something like entrepreneurship versus business owner or entrepreneur versus business owner? What are the, you know, the key differences between an entrepreneur <laughs> and a business owner? And I found it so interesting just now when you were saying that, you know, there's that short-term thinking versus that long-term thinking, you know, business owner, essentially investor, right? You're an investor. And when you uh, any sophisticated investor with a sort is thinking or, or his is, um, is thinking long-term. Yeah. All right, so they're looking for a company that could um, generate returns in the long term. And I kind of likened an entrepreneur to somebody who's just, you know, well, I mean, nothing's wrong with being an entrepreneur, of course. You know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur right now.
0: That's where it all starts. That's where every <laughs> single business starts, Kevin. That is the seed for every single business, every single corporation that you see out there. It started with one.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurs, are, you know, they they have ideas. They're trying to solve problems, and they, you know, they're they're trying to make it work, and they're trying to get from trying to get from one period to the next, just trying to keep trying to keep running, trying to keep going. Um, business owners, you know, they have the time to put you know all these systems in place and make sure that the businesses are running along to the long term and protect their investment. So, I'm thinking it might be so, and you could correct me. It, it's just like a different stage in the life cycle. Of entrepreneurship so maybe you graduate from an entrepreneur to a structured business owner You know, so how would you help me and if you look into your industry Roshan like how would you how would you contrast an entrepreneur versus a family business owner
0: so, and you know, this is what I say, A, I'll start off by saying, I'm not going to paint everyone with the same brush. Right. You have to recognize that there are different levels of organization that everyone brings to the table for their own um, operation, which is fine. But to answer your question, the difference, the distinct difference between um, a, an entrepreneur and a family business owner is just the, the scale and the scope of operation. Every single business started out with an entrepreneur. Every single business started out with one. Mm-hmm. right? Yes. The difference is that that one person in a family business context has graduated, right? So the business has grown. The number of people around them have have potentially increased, and they're next and they're thinking about the next generation of leadership. Within the business, in many cases, that person will be a member of the family if, if, if it is that they're going for this family business, con- following the family business concept. But then we get into distinctions. An owner of a business doesn't necessarily need to be a manager working in the business. Now, an entrepreneur wears many hats. Right. I'll give the three primary hats that, a, that, a, that an entrepreneur wears, um, particularly if they're working in and among family. One, they're the business owner, right? So they're an owner of the business, right? They're also a manager within the business because they're working in the business actively. And then they're managing the family aspect of things, right? So three hats, at least three primary hats. Of course, they, they basically are every, every everything and everyone when it comes to the business, but those are the three primary areas of focus. They're focusing on owning the business, working in the business, and then managing the family dynamic all within this one person. As the business grows, it becomes almost impossible for all of those responsibilities to fall within one person, right? And as a result of that, what you find is that from generation to generation, perhaps you have more family members coming on board. Many of them are coming on board with ownership stakes in the business, but maybe they're not qualified. They may not have the capabilities to work in the business. Right. So in that case, they take that step back. And while they are owners of the business, they are not operators in the business. Right. So this is where the hats start getting separated. And then you have some family members who may never work in the business or have an ownership stake. But this is not the moment to necessarily put them to the sideline and think that they have no um, no use, because in many cases they are the shadow advisors. What that means is that they have the ear of whomever is working in the business or whomever owns the business. So think about it in this way. You have, I don't know, two brothers who are working in the business. They've married um, two lovely ladies um, and, you know, their wives are working outside of the business. It would be an oversight to believe that the wives are completely blind and have absolutely no impact on what happens in the business right? Because when the husbands come home from work and, you know, I'm following the the stereotypical mindset that we have with the family and, and, and working and everything. When the family gets together, the husband is speaking about work, the wife has an opinion, right? She may have an opinion, right? And the husband takes that opinion on, takes it back to the workplace, and then perhaps that gets enacted. So those shadow advisors, in many cases, if it's a huge family and I you're talking- <laughs> I love
1: that term. I love that term, shadow advisors. I'm well, they,
0: right, they are, they are, they right? They are. be
1: shadow advisors.
0: <laughs> it, it would be, it would be unver- highly unfortunate for you to put non-involved family members to the side and think that they have no impact on the business. Yeah. If it's a bigger family- as the family gets bigger, generations and generations down the line, and you have cousins and cousins get married and da 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 da, 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 da it, it's expanded. What you end up needing is family governance, right? And this is a way for managing the, the, the needs, the desires, the wants, the inputs of family members in a way that it doesn't play out on the stage of the business, Right. So as the business expands, as you um, as it graduates from one generation to the next, it's about putting the right governance in place so that everyone's needs are addressed in the right forum. Right. So those three hats that I spoke with um, from a from an entrepreneur standpoint, you're owning the business, you're working in the business and you're managing family. And it's the one person doing all of that. As the business graduates, as it grows, You find that those hats get separated. So you may have one set of owners, right, who have shares in the business, Mm -hmm. who are not involved in the actual management of the business. The actual managers of the business may actually not be family members anymore. You may have outside managers. Right. Right. And then you have a forum for dealing with the needs of the family. So as this business grows, as it matures, you have a different way of handling and dealing with everything that that will be coming down the pipe because it would be nearly impossible for one person to handle it all.
1: You know, this is is super, super, super interesting. Okay. So, I mean, what you just described was essentially like the evolution of uh, a typical family business. So I've seen... I've seen and worked in family business where it's, you know, it's, it's in the third generation, okay. you know, large, large family business. And I've also worked family business where it's essentially in the first generation. Right. And I'm, um, I've seen the, the, the differences involved in there. And I think just, I'm um, thinking about the audience. I think our audience will most likely be in that, in that space of family businesses in the first generation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, So a lot of, mean and i and i want to extend that definition of family to to close friends because a lot of time a lot of times <laughs> we, when we start businesses we look for people we know like and trust yes. to, to work with us and many times those people end up being people within our circle be it family family and friends but mm-hmm. you know and we could sp- we could spend this whole podcast just talking about family <laughs> businesses and the dynamics <laughs> of working family in family businesses but this um in terms of developing that framework um for for listeners, all right. So, as we know, like working in family businesses, they they have it. There's the intricate differences um, from working in a regular business, and, and um, the differences in ex- expectations, what is expected from you, how you know, just kind of clarifying reporting lines and everything. And you know, you, you mentioned family governance. So, I guess my first question, because there's so many, all yeah. right. <laughs> How like how do you manage that dynamic, in terms of you know you're working in a family business right? Okay, so your older your older sibling might be might be um might be a boss or 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 what have you. <laughs> but then you know, but then on the weekend, can you know yeah then yeah then family dinner or, or yeah you, you know birthday limo or, or or you know what have you? So how do you manage those dynamics and you kind of separate church and state and try to you know and how do you compartmentalize that?
0: Right. So honestly, Kevin, it comes down to governance. And I don't want to throw a a big sounding, um, intimidating word like governance um, (laughs) into the mix. Right. Because I know that that word by its own nature can turn a lot of people off. But listen, ultimately, you need everyone needs to be in their own lanes. Right. You have to think about it from the standpoint of responsibility and accountability. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to have a role that they're playing. Right. Everyone's role needs to be documented as much as possible. Yes. Right. This is what you're responsible for. This is what I'm responsible for. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have people running into each other's lanes because then one of the one of the issues that you find is around boundaries. Yes. In a business. Right. Because there's fat, because you're working with friends and family, a lot of times that professional relationship. Right. Gets muddied along the way with the personal relationship which is which is great when things are going well when things are not going well it's not so good right so to start off to save a lot of heartache it starts by having clear responsibilities yes john you're coming in this is what you're responsible for now it may take a little while i'm not saying it's it's as easy as coming in here's your here are your responsibilities and we won't have any issues to deal with ever you have to also recognize the, um, the mindset in something like this, right? People come in with preconceived notions as to how their family members are. So, for example, if you have a, a, a family business, the, the aunt, for example, is the, is the accountant, the chief accountant. Her nephew joins the business. Let's call him Johnny. For the life of Auntie Margaret, right, let's call her Margaret. For the life of Auntie Margaret, she cannot see Johnny outside of this image that she has of him as this two-year-old running around with a lollipop, right? Right. So she cannot reconcile the fact that Johnny is now head of marketing for the business and he has good, sound, solid ideas that can move this business forward, right? So at times it can be a mindset thing that needs to be over, an identity thing, I should say, that needs to be overcome. And that honestly is overcome. Uh, it, it takes a lot of shrugging sometimes, but in delivery, mm-hmm. right? It's coming in, having those clear responsibilities. And as Johnny is delivering, as the results are coming, Auntie Margaret's view of Johnny starts to change because she's able to see what he can deliver, mm-hmm. right? So so that is one thing that I want to touch, about, touch on and that's ensuring that you have clear responsibilities. The second thing and this is the tricky part when you're dealing with friends and family is accountability. What happens when they're not following through on the responsibilities right. that have been laid out? Right. And this is where this is this is where the tough love needs to come in. Right? It needs to be very clear from the beginning. Yes, I know it's a, it's a, it's a business that's now starting out and you're just probably so grateful for the help and you're grateful for a warm body that you can trust to help move it forward but recognize the disservice that you're doing to the business by bringing someone in who is not able to deliver at the level that you need them to deliver at. And I know many times coming into a family business, the expectations on a family member are above and beyond what is expected of other employees. Other employees clocking at clock in at nine, clock out, clock out at five, family members are expected to be there 24 hours a day. No, this is where the boundary also comes in, right? It's okay coming into this business. These are the expectations. I recognize that sometimes we need to pull our sleeves up, uh, you know, roll our sleeves up and get things done. But don't take advantage of your loved ones for the sake of the business, because the business may not be there in the long term, but your family members and your friends will be,
1: right? right. Okay, so all right, so you spoke about. The governance you know the um accountability as well as the responsibility and i just want to be you know super clear in terms of the mm-hmm. takeaway here so you're yeah. saying the the important thing to do is to document what are what are the um what are your rules what, what are your responsibilities what are your reporting lines to make and yeah. to make sure the guard against that so you always have it in black and white not yeah not well, just understood not in your
0: head Mm-hmm. Not not to be kind of halfway, had a conversation with, with someone over a drink where someone said, yeah, man, you know what I mean? And the other person said, yeah, man, I know what you mean. Uh, no, 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 no. Sit down, have some dedicated time to sit down, speak about the responsibilities coming in, speak about the flip side of the responsibilities coin, because the flip side of responsibility is accountability. Yes. All right. You sit down and and you have that conversation. All right. Coming into the business. This is where I'll need your help with primarily. All right. Let's document that. This is what the accountability is going to look like. You know, in some cases, it's all right. You know what? I'm going to need, you know, three strikes and you're out. And it goes both ways, perhaps. Right. This is what I expect from you. I'm going to need feedback from you every six months or so. Because then. The other other, um, hindrance of working in a family business, particularly for members of the younger generation, the next gen, is that they come in and they say, well, are these really transferable and marketable skills that I'm learning? Well, they are. If your role is crafted in such a way that you have sound responsibilities and you have someone weighing in and giving you that feedback on a regular basis, it absolutely can be. But many miss that step at the beginning. So what I would say Kevin when it comes to the 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 governance it's having those um roles and responsibilities it's about having the right policies and procedures of course but have that sit down with the members so that they understand what their responsibilities are and what accountability will look like Okay And then be firm You have <laughs> to be firm in okay. the enforcement you have to be firm right That's Otherwise okay. you know what what's the use <laughs> So what I would say is that for small and medium sized businesses now starting out, if you're now starting out and you just have one or two family members, you can do this on your own. You don't need to be hiring outside help or advisors to to get, you know, the the, the responsibilities and the accountability done. You can handle this on your own. However, if it gets to the point where you have multiple family members and you're trying to figure out who does what, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's better to have an outside um, advisor Particularly, a family business advisor who's able to pick up on that underlying dynamic, right? Right, that comes through when you're working with close friends and family because they're then able to say, "Okay, this is what the um, the the ways of working will look like." Um, this, do we agree on the vision? Do we agree on the values that that we're that we're embodying here in this organization? And how is it that we will hold ourselves and the business? to those values to that vision and to the responsibilities that we have so it takes it to another level and when you get to that level the need for professionalizing the business gets greater right and that's where the the need for an external advisor would come in but i wouldn't i would say no if you're now starting out it's and it's something that you can handle one or two or three family members you should be able to handle it on your own now many people are conflict avoidant and in that case, you may prefer to have an outsider step in to guide. But um, if 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 it's something that you're fine working with and dealing with, you can do it on your own.
1: All right. So we we covered we covered family business governance there, but um you you touch on another thing a few times that's really really important that's I'm not I'm not as sure that can be handled by documenting and that's boundaries right. <laughs> I know yeah, boundaries is a serious thing, right? So you could Sorry. you could be working in a family business, you could be working with your your friends, and you could be getting a call from your family or friend on a Friday evening, on a Saturday Saturday morning, and thinking, okay, is this call because they want to go to the beach, or is this call because <laughs> they want to discuss a project? Right? How do you how do you manage those? How do you manage those boundaries and not feel like your life is work like work is life? you know <laughs> it's just me so i work i work i work with family and i also have a yeah. have, um, business with, with friends and just the other day somebody asked you so kevin what do you what do you do what do you do for for fun like what do you actually do for fun like when you're not working i said, well and i was like well, well what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> work is fun what do you what do you mean <laughs> work is life Right, so how do you how do you establish those boundaries, and you, so you don't end up becoming a Kevin?
0: <laughs> so you don't end up becoming a Kevin. I love that one. Listen, it comes down to communication. Um, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called um, "The Five Critical Succession Conversations," a book pri- primarily for families and business. It really comes down to communication and the expectations that you set. And this is not only working with with family members or friends; it's also in your personal relationships. Mm-hmm setting the right boundaries, right? What is it, what, so I think it, it it comes down to you interrogating what it means for you to be in this business, right? How, what sort, and what, not only what would it mean for you as an individual, but what would it mean for your friendship? How would you like to see your friendship or, or your family relationship evolve as a result of, of, of this? And give some really good thought to, how you would be comfortable handling, how you might be comfortable handling any conflict that comes up. Now, recognize also that communication is a two-way street. So in many instances, you may have this fantastic, perfect plan about how you're going to deal and handle with anything that comes your way. But unless and until you're communicating that with others, right? it can potentially not be as useful. So for example, the instance where you have a friend, a message coming in on Friday evening. At first, before you joined the business, you would have been happy because you're like, okay, my friends want a line. We're going to have some downtime. This is going to be great. But now you're dreading and you're looking at the phone with, with a side eye because you're thinking, "Whether well, is this fun or is this work, right? Now that demonstrates a lack of boundaries, Yeah. right? Because in a situation where there are boundaries, perhaps you have, um, you know, everyone's communicating via WhatsApp these days. Right. So the expectation might be something that when, a, a way that you might deal with this is by saying, OK, yes, we're going to communicate by WhatsApp, but all business conversations will happen in this chat. Any conversation outside of business will happen someplace else. So it's not you're talking, you're not talking about the the the, the party that you went to last weekend in the business chat, not the place for it. Right. And I have this with my own family, you know, working in business versus um, personal. And we have two separate chats. Right. So when we're talking business, it happens in one one um, chat. Let's say when we're talking family stuff, if it's mom sending across the funny memes or all the forwards and everything that happens someplace else. Mm -hmm. You know, one or two times people might slip and forget. And then you say, okay, that's not the forum for this. And everyone in the in the group feels comfortable saying that because they know ahead of time what you're trying to achieve, right? And the person who may have sent the funny message just says, okay, sorry, sorry, yeah, man, wrong, you know, I made a mistake or something like that. But you protect, right? This is a boundary. When we're talking business, we're talking business. And this is the forum for talking business. Anything outside of that is where the friendship steps in, right? The same way that, so so this is one way. So this is dealing with chat another thing that you may have is all right listen when we go when we go out um to 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 dinner or something as friends we're not talking business but as i mentioned <laughs> it exactly takes where I was going. <laughs> two it's accountability right it takes two because one person can start but the accountability comes when the other people are aware of this and they're able to shut it down now if you let somebody break down your boundary and come in and then it co- ends up being one long work discussion, that's on you for not maintaining the boundary, right? You have to be accountable to yourself as well. So if you're out having a bear, right, with your friends and you're just chilling and you're chatting and, you to- and, and it's social time and the conversation starts to veer to business, right? Right that one person needs to catch themselves and say, okay, maybe this is not the forum for this, but the other person is equally as guilty for allowing it. But this starts if you have the expectations at the very onset, right? No one has a crystal ball. So you can't all of a sudden roll up to the bar. One person starts talking business and the other person gets angry or responds in a way, because that leaves the person who started the conversation by saying, wait, what now? I didn't know this was an issue. Right. So you have, you set those expectations outside of the event. So you don't wait until you're at the bar to have a conversation about what we're going to talk at the bar. Right. right. At the beginning, you say, all right, you know, I want to maintain the friendship. And in maintaining the friendship, this is how I think we should handle business and how we should handle personal. And then you take the responsibility as well in enforcing that.
1: So yes. what if you're, what if you're, you're working with, you're working with someone, you know, with your family or your friends, whatever it is. And, you're the one whose boundaries being encroached upon, but the the, the encroacher, you know, to use to use that term loosely, uh-huh. is might be somebody you're reporting to, and might be some might be somebody who you know might be a senior member of your of your family or somebody or somebody you know that that sort of that sort of outside power dynamic, uh-huh. right? So would you say that that whole upfront um that whole upfront conversation would we'll mitigate against that. And then, the so the, and then the, the the response to that, the retort to that, might be, "Hey, but well, I mean, I, I love what I do. I love my business. I, I, I love talking about my business anytime. You know, what, what's your problem? Why don't you want to talk about business on Don't you don't you love what you do? Are you serious? Are you a serious entrepreneur?"
0: <laughs> and in many cases, you might not be, right? And I'm not saying that you might not be. I, 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 let me take that back. You mm-hmm. may be. But remember, the dream sometimes lies in the entrepreneur, right? And that passion, right, that owner passion that that entrepreneur has may not be present in everyone else. Yes, they want to see the business succeed. But that level, that that level of that relentless pursuit of it may not lie in everyone else. So two things to answer your first question, I would say always have the conversation at the onset. Know what you're getting into. Right. Yes, it's a senior member of, of the family. Right. You come in, but this is, this is a case where you kind of say, now, granted, if it is that you're coming in in an internship position, right. And I know the conversation these days is, you know, the younger generation, they're so entitled and, and this and that and that and this. But, and yes, there are some positions where you need to pay your dues. But then at the same time, you have to recognize and understand what you are willing to give up in order to get there right? It's not about being spoiled. It's about coming to that understanding. And I know it it differs in in many cultures. So in some cultures, they would not even dream of having a conversation like that. But you have to recognize what the long-term toll and impact might be. So try your best to communicate what, you know, the the, the, the working dynamic might look like, right? I'm not saying that when crunch time comes, you're going to always hold to your boundaries. There are times that you're going to need to be flexible, not only working with family, but outside of the family dynamic. You may need to be flexible, but then it's about dialing back. You know, it's about saying, okay, let's kind of reset here. Yeah, you know, we we seem to be out of the woods in terms of whatever we were dealing with. Um, But, you know, Uncle Joe or whomever, you know... I'm you know maintaining the family. So family time is important. I'd like to spend some time with the wife and the kids, and this is our opportunity to do it, um, just so that I can see. That. And in many cases, many are understanding, many say that they're understanding, but they may need help when the enforcement time comes. So if you know that it's not a crunch time and it's not a request that is really critical at the moment, then this is the time where you kind where you can kind of suggest, okay. I recognize that it's the weekend. I'm happy to come back to you on on Monday because, and you feel free to give a reason if if this is something that you're comfortable doing. You know, I'm working with the family, we're out of town this weekend or or whatever the deal might be.
1: Right. Just thinking, okay, so... Can this be done retroactively? So if you're ready, if you're ready, um, destroying all your boundaries and all you and work is life and all you do is work and all and all your conversations about work, all your all your drink slimes are about work, and all your family gatherings about work, all the all the time, anytime you hang out with your friends, there's some work involved there. How do you how do you retroactively fix this and establish boundaries? Okay, guys, let's just let's have this for fun, this for work. Like, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, it's about having that conversation, right?
1: Okay.
0: Recognizing the toll. In many cases, because they value you as a person outside of the business, they recognize, A, that you have, um, in many cases, they care about your well-being as well. So this is this is usually a good starting point for a conversation like this. So, you know, guys, you know, I love working with you guys and everything, but it's starting to take a toll on me. Um, so let's keep business to business and, and friendship to friendship. And then suggest ways or brainstorm ways that may work for you all to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? But then, like I said, the, 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 um, the accountability needs to come in. So it's if you have the conversation today and next week you meet for drinks and it turns into, you know, a, a, a huge conversation about the next deliverable, then you kind of have, you <laughs> have let it slide. Right. So it's about just kind of saying, all right, guys, yeah, man, I understand. But social setting. So let's, you know, if we need to schedule a meeting outside of work or someplace else to speak about business, no problem. Right. But or let's take this up on Monday or something like this. But in many cases, a it is possible, you, but but it takes it takes a lot more effort. Right. Because you are going to you will slide back into your ways of working. Right, whatever has been established before. So, if you've been working with these friends for a long, long time and you recognize that end of week you're going to just sit and you're going to talk about business and have a beer or something, recognize that that dynamic, that habit, that pattern is going to be hard and difficult to break. So, it may take a number of starts and restarts before you get there, but you have to keep consistent, right, in terms of keeping those boundaries. You have to keep consistent. And it helps if it's not only one person who's helping to enforce those boundaries. Because everybody wants to fit in. Nobody wants to be the the, the sore thumb who's ruining things by, you know, putting in this this accountability, this new level of accountability, right? So if it's multiple people saying, all right, you know, I thought we said we weren't going to talk to business, we weren't going to talk business, then ensure that multiple people are aware of what the agreement is and they can help you enforce it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm hearing overall is really, and it's part of that transition from being an entrepreneur to a business owner is structure. You want to make sure you you think, I mean, if there's one thing you want to keep in your mindset at all times is, okay, how do I implement more efficient structure in my business? You know, again, structure to make sure things are going in the long term. Anything I'm doing now, am I going to be comfortable doing this in the long term? If the answer is a no or maybe, then it's time to put some structure around that. Okay, and, but,
0: and that's a good point that you make, Kevin, thinking long term, because you have to also recognize that as this business grows, you're going to have employees who will not be able to come to drinks on Friday. What happens then? Are they then out of the loop of any decisions that you make in that conversation? So, thinking long term, ha- set up the right um, forum to have the business conversations so that even as the business grows, your the integrity of your business conversations is going to be protected and everyone whether they're inside this intimate circle family or friend circle or outside of it Mm -hmm. still feels as though that they're an active and contributing member of the business
1: and as you know and especially as you think about structure and long term you know we want to kind of get back into continuity right because this is essentially to protect a business a business's operations in the event that something happens, right? And I know you have, you have four guiding principles here. I just want to kind of go over quickly. Um, so then there's the people to contact if anything happens. There's the documents that need to be accessed again. If anything happens, make sure you have access to financing in place or insurances, of course. And then very importantly, you know, the operations. How do we protect the actual operations? Mm-hmm right um and and I know you there's some there are various inputs or do you just want to kind of gloss over you know the um the relocation sites service providers suppliers key clients what equipment is essential and everything and 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 your company's succession strength you put together six to eleven page document that, that outlines that so you know folks could learn more about continuity planning but the important thing is to make certain note that it's very important to keep in mind as you're operating and growing a business.
0: Yeah. And, and, and the thing is to have everything related to the operations of this business documented in one place Mm -hmm. for peace of mind. Right. And of course it's a good operating and it's a good strategy, operation strategy for your business. And this is in the event that anything happens that you can pick up this business. All of the information is in one place and anyone can keep the business running even if the primary entrepreneur or whomever is is not able to at that time. And um you know people would say oh well you know is this something that's for bigger companies no 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 smaller companies rely on it as well. And what we say is you know from the moment that you have someone relying on the income of this business put a business continuity plan in yes. place. Right? So if it is that you're running this business and it just gives you um uh, you know fun money right if this is a hobby for you a lifestyle, a lifestyle business <laughs> right then yeah. you don't need a business continuity plan just you know when when the business wraps if anything happens it goes with you and and you're good to go. The moment however that you have people relying on the income of the business and I'm talking your family members, I'm talking your employees, I'm talking your customers et cetera well not customers in this case family members employees, anyone close to you who's relying on the income of this business sometimes some may have creditors.
1: Investors,
0: Investors. Yeah. yeah. Once people start relying on the income of this business, it is your duty, right, as a steward of this business, as an owner of this business, as a key operator of this business to ensure that you have a plan in place in the event that something happens. Right. And it could be one of the five. But the important thing is, everything is in one place so that in the event that something happens, anyone else whom you designate can pick it up and run with this business so that the income comes in, so that the income of the business and the operations can continue and the income comes in. So, really, it's about being able to respond confidently to any disruption so that the business's operations can come back on track and back online as quickly as possible.
1: Right, and of course, the the five five Ds. Yes, the five Ds. Disability, divorce, disagreements, and distress. Yes. All right, so... We've, we've figured out our family dynamics. You got every, everything is in order. There's structure. There's boundaries. There's governance. We have our continuity plan in place, so the business is protected. Um, if God forbid a natural disaster happens, which we've been seeing a lot in the um in the Caribbean recently, yes. mm-hmm. well, now let's talk about transition and succession, right? Yes. You know, so you want to be able to maximize that business value before transition. And you know, funny enough, many of the of the first generation business owners. I mean, if, if, forget we're just family business owners, first generation business owners who've gotten to that place where they've established some level of traction mm-hmm. where you know they have they have more than 10 employees or whatnot. So let's say they're the lower medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. You talk to them about what is their number one concern or top three concerns. Succession is always in the top three. You know, what's going to happen? when this business, when, 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 I need to step away, what happens when, when, when I need to take a vacation or what have you, right? So how do, how do we transition to the next generation? In mean, next generation could be your son, your little brother. It could be, um, a, a, a top employee in, within the business, but how do you, how do you plan for that? How do, you, how do you plan for that? Is it that from, from the person is hired? You say, all right, this looks like a golden, a golden girl, a golden girl. This is a prodigy right here. Let's <laughs> let's groom them. Let's give them the let's give them the gold gloves. And <laughs> You know, how do you, yeah, how do you how do you really smoothly plan, integrate succession into your business long before you need it, long before it becomes a problem?
0: Listen, um, And Kevin, I'll take a step back and I'll answer that in two ways. First of all, by saying, having your business be transition ready is also, I think, top of mind for many entrepreneurs and many owners, because anything can happen. And I'm not only talking bad things, right? Ensuring that your business is transition ready is key because you never know what can happen. A, yes, of course, they're they're one of the five Ds and perhaps you need to make an unplanned change in leadership. So you need to ensure that you have the right skills to back you up. But what if someone, what if, what if a purchaser, a buyer knocked on the door tomorrow, mm-hmm. right, and wanted to buy your business? Is your business transferable, right? Your business is absolutely not transferable if everyone relies on you as the owner or on certain key people for everything, Right. And that, of course, I think as, as, as a professional evaluator, I know that <laughs> when we're talking multiples, <laughs> right, that that is not a positive sign if the business is not transferable. Ensuring that you have that bench strength, as it's called, yes. right? When you're thinking succession, it's about ensuring that the business can be transferable, yes, to someone in the business, but perhaps to you know, even if the business were owned by some, someone else, giving that person the confidence in knowing that this business can still continue because we have this bench strength of groomed persons ready to take over. And you mentioned um, succession. It is a long-term strategy. Yes, of course, it helps with the transferability of a business, but there are two things to two things to keep in mind because many people think succession, oh, that means dad's gonna retire and he'll he'll be replaced by my big brother. Right. There's a distinct difference here that I'd like to call out. There is, well, well, two things. First of all, succession. There's succession planning and succession preparation. We do succession preparation. preparation and succession, planning,
1: two different things.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yes. Ooh. And the distinction, <laughs> the distinction here is, listen. Well, because people say, you know, well, just put a succession plan in place. Well, yeah, that's great. But you can go on Google, get a template for a succession plan, put it in place, and you're good to go, mm-hmm. right? However, preparation is a much longer journey and ultimately we say about five to seven years ahead of a business's leadership transition is when you ideally want to start that process of ensuring that you have the right successors in place because it's a preparation, it's a journey of preparation, ensuring that the incoming successor is well prepared for the new role. Do they know what they're getting into? Have their skills gaps been analyzed, right? Have they been working towards filling those gaps? Are they a part of the culture of the organization? Can they take that on and run with it? And that takes time, right? So in succession preparation, you're talking about all of the tasks that are involved in preparing this next generation to take over, and it does not happen overnight, right? And I, I I call out a second distinction because many people think, as I mentioned, dad's going to retire, Johnny will take over. That is not succession that you're talking about. You're talking about replacement planning, right? Essentially, you're saying, okay, what's the next warm butt that we can put in this seat so that you know that there's someone at the helm? You're not necessarily doing Johnny, a, uh, Johnny or the business a service by having him or her come in relatively unprepared for this new role. Yes, he may have been in and about the business growing up, but does he really know what it takes to run this business? Has he been, um, does he have the culture um, incorporated, you know, into his bones? Yes, perhaps if he is a family member, but does he also have the capability to run this business, right? And this is where a program of preparation really comes in to ensure that Johnny is ready and, and able to take this business forward in a positive way. So two distinctions that I've made, the, the, the distinction between succession preparation and just putting a succession plan in place. Right. And secondly, replacement planning versus that whole succession preparation um, journey that businesses go through.
1: Okay, so we have the succession preparation, which sounds like the active work. Yes, you know the grooming, the the culture fit, the the coaching conversations, the ongoing training, and what have you. Succession mm-hmm. plan sounds more like a a document, essentially. Yes, essentially, like, essentially. Yeah. Essentially. Like
0: yeah. Okay. Yes, and you know, and to be quite honest, there are many professionals who can put a succession plan in place for you. Some lawyers might say, "Yeah, man, I can put a succession plan in place for you." What they do, they may, you know, no disrespect for them because it's a solid plan, but any plan of this nature needs to exude the the DNA of the company, right? And that takes time, many cases, in terms of understanding the objectives of the outgoing leader, understanding the the vision and the values of the organization to craft a plan that really is um, customized and speaks to that person's needs. Because can you imagine coming up to the point of succession Right. And someone says, yeah, man, we have a succession plan in place. Pull it up. okay? let's dust off the dust. Okay, what is this saying now? Right. And in many cases, they don't recognize themselves in this plan that they are reading. It's completely foreign to them. And if they don't recognize themselves in it, the chances of them actually following through on what's in that plan goes down to zero, essentially. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Sorry, you know, but what it I mean, guess what it what it sounds like to me is like is the difference between a consultant giving you a a deliverable, a document, and a coach working with you, and and you know keeping you accountable and saying, okay, this week you gotta do that. Make sure you do that. Did you do that? How did that go? All right. Well, what did you learn from that? And that, that sort of that sort of guidance. But you own you own the outcome as opposed to the consultant or yeah or, or whoever owning that that particular outcome.
0: Exactly. Anyone can sit down and well, not anyone, but you know because I don't want to minimize the the work of of other professionals. But even as a family business, and some may say, you know what, I can create a succession plan on my own. Yes, you can. Right. You can go on Google, search for a template, fill it in if you need to. But the key to ensuring that it will be um, executed in the right way and, and resonate with your family and your, your own situation is by ensuring that your situation is reflected in that plan. And sometimes it takes an outsider to help you interrogate exactly what that looks like.
1: Okay. Right? So, where your, your company's succession strength adds a lot of value is in that succession preparation.
0: Yes, yes. So what we do is we work with the um, retiring or the outgoing leaders, their incoming successors and their organizations to prepare for this change in, in generation, generational leadership. Um, particularly, we do a lot of work with successors coming in, taking them through what is called a successor due diligence. Um, and, and this is where, you know, in many cases you have successors, primarily in many cases from family owned businesses who what do I call it? It's, it's, um, it's this false sense of security around their capabilities when it comes to running the business. Many of them believe, okay, because my name is on the building or because I've been in and out of these doors and I know intimately what, you know, from a distance, what goes on that, yeah, I'm capable of running it. But in many cases, when we do a due diligence, they recognize a number of things for themselves. Within a due diligence, we interrogate a what, what what the expectations of the role really are. So do you understand what it takes to run this business or, to, or what it takes to assume whatever role it is that you'll be stepping into? Are you comfortable with that? And does this fit your long-term objectives? Because you have many cases where you have successors who would much prefer to be doing something else than running the business. And this is key to understand from the very beginning, because when times get tough, as many times they do, right, you need that motivation to really see you through. And if you have someone coming in who is not on the same page, yeah. your business will not be in good hands necessarily when the tough times hit, right? So it's understanding where that person's head is at. And then we get into the actual running of the business. So, you know, do you even know what you will be in charge of? And in many cases, we call this the, um, the Lion King moment, right? Have you had your Simba moment? Um, Harkening back to the, the, the animated series, The Lion King, where the father, Mufasa, I think, takes Simba up on top of the rock, overseeing everything and says, you know, this is what you will be taking over from, from, her, from the horizon, you know, looking from the West to the East, all the way to the horizon. This is what you will be in charge of. Many successors coming into their role have no idea they may be familiar with the core operations of the business, but they didn't know, for example, that the, the, that the business also has an arm that does real estate because they own a lot of properties. So it's really getting an understanding, soup to nuts, end to end of what it is that you're taking over and then being able to understand, okay, this is where my capabilities lie. This is where I have gaps in my capabilities. Do we try to fill them as an individual? Or am I comfortable bringing someone else in with those capabilities to help supplement my own knowledge? So there's a lot of work that really goes into preparing a successor for the next role.
1: My last question before, before we look to wrap, because, you know, we talk about preparing and grooming and successor due diligence and everything. So uh, my brother is, well, my brother also runs a family business, um, you know, he owns and whatnot. And his mantra to, to employees is think like an owner that, <laughs> you know, it's written on the walls, you know, it's, 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 it's doctrine, right? So we always, you always, you always says, Hey, think like an owner. What would an owner do, you know, in terms of carrying out your duties in terms of how you think about the business, how you, how you interact with clients how you, you know, that level of dedication that you give to clients and whatnot. Now, my question, you know, and I, and I think many people who, who form who start a business they would love their lovely people working working with them to you know to think like owners of the business and to act like owners of the business as well but how do they handle that that that, that little bit of dissonance where they're not actually owners of the business <laughs> how, 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 would you, how would you so i guess in, in two sides right how would you because there may be people listening who are still employees, right? How would Absolutely. how would you as an employee, how do you as an employee sort of take in that and manage <laughs> manage your manage how you how you treat with the business, and how do you as a owner on the on the other side try to manage that little bit of a little bit of dissonance?
0: Well, I mean, what I would say is be specific right because the way i run my business may be different from the way that you run your business so you know a, a blanket statement like think like an owner i understand the intent behind it and it's really good intent but recognize that by doing that you're giving them the um the the latitude to respond in a way that you may not be comfortable with right so recognize what you're giving them the 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 the, the license to do because as an owner <clears throat> I may make some concessions um, to—I don't know if it's win new clients or if it's a customer service um, issue—that you may not be comfortable with. So, in many cases like that, it it helps to yes say think like an owner, but then take it a step a a step deeper by saying, "And this is what that means, right?" So, this is what that means in this area, and this is what that means in that area. So, you're still putting that boundary there, so that there can be you can still have some elements of. As I mentioned, responsibility, accountability. right? You're responsible, but this is what it looks like. right? And yes, you have some latitude, but many owners are tend to also have a very strict vision for their business. So ensuring that the employees are following through on that on, on your vision, it sometimes it helps to to put some some blinders and some um some barriers so that they know where they're, um hmm. how far they can move
1: and i guess on on the, on the employee side where you know where their, their boss is saying hey think like an owner yes <laughs> how, Some, do they, uh, how do they manage that
0: well you know in in many cases they say you have to hire for the attitude right because right. indeed indeed sometimes you may have someone with the technical skills but they may not have that attitude and and to to really follow through so just like you said you may say you know they may be shouting the battle cry yes yes i will think like an owner but on the inside they may be thinking yeah but you don't pay me to be an owner <laughs> right <laughs> uh, am i right you know
1: I mean, so I, there, I know. I there mean, may
0: be elements I,
1: I, I assume i assume people would think so yeah
0: there may be elements of that um so you know as as an employee know what you're stepping into Right. If this is a role that you're really passionate about and you can see yourself growing and you can see yourself improving and and, and getting to where you need to go, get to, you know, put in, you know, put in that effort. And even if it's not, you know, someone is, is really hiring you to, to deliver on something. So always, always do your best, you know, regardless of what the situation might be. Yes, there may be some rumblings, there may be some dissonance, but this is the opportunity for you to have those conversations, not with your colleagues at the water cooler, but with the people who can actually do something about it. Right? So if you have gripes, for example, by saying, yes, think like an owner, but but I have a life. So I'm not here to run this business 24-7. Well, have you had that conversation around boundaries, right? Another boundary conversation with your employer to say, yeah, man, I understand it. Sometimes it's a crunch time, but you know, I, I'm also managing my family, family dynamic, et cetera, and so forth. Right, so it's about having that conversation because the last thing that you want is any negative feelings to really permeate the the work environment. That's never a good thing.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, I another I guess another interpretation of how you can look at it is, you know, well, so there's the ownership of your outcomes, like like what you just described, right? Ownership okay. of whatever it is, you are in charge of. And I mean, if you wanna, and if you wanna go a little deeper and think of yourself as a Entrepreneur versus entrepreneur because you're in a company. You know you could even think of yourself as a contractor for the, that that this company has hired to carry out certain tasks. But then even then there's there might be still be that little bit of dissonance, uh, you know, as a uh, that goes beyond what's on what's on your job description or or what have you, what is expected from you from your rules technically to the softer side of Thinking like an owner of that business rather than just your own business. So, yeah. but then also
0: it comes down to the environment, you know, the environment that's created by the owners and 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 by the power powers that be, as they say. So when you see an employee going the extra mile, what do you do to recognize them for that? You know, how do you you know give them the, the that pat on the back that they need to continue doing what they do? Right, rewarding the behaviors that you would like to see continued, or that you would like to have continued in the business. Yeah. Right, so sometimes it's about creating this environment where certain ownership type behaviors are recognized and they're amplified in a way for for everyone to see. Right, sometimes that goes a long way um, to to helping further that cause. You know, you
1: know that's you, know, you bring you bring up an interesting point. Is because I, I feel like, and I'm not I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but it it, it always feels like human criticism. Has a bias to the negative, oh. you know. So, an an employee might be doing great things, yeah, and and you might "Okay, well, that's that's what they're supposed to do." Okay. <laughs> Th- thank you, thank you for that. Cool. All right, I see you, but thanks. But you missed something. You know, you sp- there's a lot more energy. There might be a lot more energy spent on reprimanding that employee, or. Or, or or whatnot. And even just in own human human relationship. It's not just an employee relationship, but but yeah, it they might a lot more energy might be focused on reprimanding on the negative. You know, so is would you recommend somebody would you recommend a business owner like going going hard on the positive? So they do something good and it could be something small like hey you got the, you got those numbers in the spreadsheet to uh, make sense great job like hey that's awesome <laughs> 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 you
0: know?
1: as opposed to hey um something wrong with the spreadsheet what the hell did you do are you incompetent no no now we no, are gonna lose money now we look we look silly you know so how do you <laughs> how do you yeah how do you balance that that sort of feedback that's always tilted it's sort of t- as sort of as a negative bias you know as opposed to when things go well
0: Listen to me, don't give empty praise, right? Authenticity is is the number one thing when it comes to to giving praise, right? is what I would say. But recognize your personality. If you're not the type of person who gives, you know, and it doesn't need to be the level of giving high fives, but you if you're the type if you're not the type of person who is comfortable, you know, giving people that positive motive because not everybody is, right? And not every, therefore not everyone can do it um positively. Ensure that you know where your weaknesses are as well. Right. So perhaps you have someone else, you know, if if it's an interim manager, recognize them. And, you know, maybe at the end of the month, you can if if there's a a team meeting or something, then recognize that person in your own way or recognize their efforts in your own way. But you certainly don't want to be walking around the office in an inauthentic way because that is just annoying. And it does the complete opposite (laughs) of what you're trying to achieve. You know, people can see through that. So recognize them in a way that's authentic to you, but also in a way that forwards and advances what you're trying to achieve in the business. So if there's certain behaviors that you think, you know, okay, this, this is the direction that I want things to be going in, it is up to you to take stock of that and then take a step back and say, okay, and this is how I, because I would like others to also see that, this is how I will recognize X or Y or Z person, you know, if, if I see these sorts of behavior behaviors exhibited. But do it in in as authentic a way as possible and get help if you need it.
1: Fantastic. All right, Rochelle. As we get ready to wrap, I just want to give you the floor. Is there anything that we did not cover today that you want to make sure and get out to our audience? You have open mic, open forum, open platform, all at you. (laughs)
0: no i mean the main thing that i would say is listen you're working very very hard to build your business so whatever your plans are ensure that your business is protected right put that business continuity plan in place yes of course you can hire a business continuity advisor but we also have an online platform where you can go in and create your own business continuity plan yourself so just ensure that your your growth is protected so that you're not um taking the funds away from the reallocating the funds or diverting the funds from the growth of your business to deal to dealing with um, with disruptions. That's the first thing. And what can I say planning and preparation really are the cornerstones of the long term survival of your business. So ensure that you're spending some time to think not only of the immediate needs of the business, but on how you intend to carry this business forward in the long term.
1: Podcast world, there you have it. Succession Strength with Rochelle Clark. Rochelle, <laughs> where can we find your business?
0: <laughs> uh, so, Yes, of course. You can find me at successionstrength.com. Um, and yeah, pop onto the website and of course, reach out. The, the 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 business continuity platform is on continuitystrength.com. And I think that's it.
1: Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at slash subscribe. Check us out on Castbox, Spotify, Google Podcasts apple podcast stitcher wherever you listen to your podcast and with that podcast world rochelle
0: <laughs> kevin thank you so much for having
1: me <laughs> yeah, this is very young this is very very insightful all right with that podcast world we are out